Welcome to another episode of Record Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is uh, not my typical co-host from the left coast. We're giving Wayne the uh, the week off because I'm joined today by the co-owner of Outpost Media based out of Los Angeles, California. You may not know the name of the production company, but you've absolutely seen their work. We'll let him explain that later. But I know him as father of Liam, Aiden, and Haley, hubby to Christy, and one of my bestest of friends. Here's my brother from another mother. Here is Jeff Johnson. Hello, Ben. How are you? Fantastic. Are you really? Yeah. You don't sound fantastic. No, I'm, I, it, it, I've had one of those really... I've had one of those weeks. So uh, I, I got an, an acute sinus infection, which uh, dates back to my uh, acute respiratory, upper respiratory infection that I had earlier in the, in the month. If you're asking me, everything on you is acute. Oh, shucks. Uh, so, so, uh, so, and then I'm dealing with, um, teenager stuff and, um, you know, I think you've outgrown that man. I think you should just let that stuff go. I think you should move on. Well, And, and the other thing that's bothering me is because of said sinus infection, I, I, I've sounded like Stevie Nicks all week. Um, and now you're just trying to turn me on. That's what you're trying to do. You knew that Stevie Nicks was one of my early well, crushes. You know, so so I'm back to the Velvet Underground. Yeah. All uh, right. Well, actually, that 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 made me less turned on the way <laughs> the way you sang it. Did you definitely knew how to cure that? I, I'll tell you actually, that right now. I sound more like a 1997 reunion tour Stevie Nicks than you know Mirage Stevie Nicks. So. Man, I, I don't know. I saw Fleetwood Mac in December, and she sounded phenomenal. Like She sounded so good still. I was blown away. Like she sounded like she gave up the Marlboros finally? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, Christine, Christine, not so much. Her her struggled a little bit more for me. I could tell it, you know, she's having a little more trouble with it. But, boy, Stevie's vocals were phenomenal. All right. All right. Well, yeah. Well, we're we're digressing and i know that we're, we are i know we're just we're we're gonna and we're gonna continue to digress because i know yeah. i know how our conversations about music go so we have to ask the all-important question what t-shirt are you wearing well i put some thought into this and i really wanted to wear a t-shirt that made you feel bad that you weren't there because i know you and i wanted to wear one from the chris cornell tribute show i am the highway that i went to a couple of weeks ago, but their t-shirt game sucked. Like they, their merch game was not on point. So, um, and all they had was double XL. I, I don't know if you know this, but I don't have a t-shirt body. Like I, I'm 70 pounds heavier than a baby giraffe and you wouldn't put a t-shirt on a baby giraffe. So it's tough, man. I I'm at the point where I like, I have to, I have to find a three X at concert shirts cause they're already tight. So I wore another one that I feel like is going to make you feel a little bit like I'm rubbing right. it in. And that is my Neil Young and promise of the real at desert trip old cella, uh, from a couple of years ago yeah. from Indio. It's a special t-shirt from there. You are absolutely trying to rub it in. <clears throat> I am rubbing because, it in bad because, because that was, that was a trip that I was like, oh, yeah, I should probably go out to California for this. This should be one that I hang out with Jeff for, and I just couldn't pull the trigger when I found out how much it was going to cost. 
And I haven't made it any easier on you by not letting it go, either, about just how epic those shows were. Three nights, it was Bob Dylan, who I can completely do without, followed by the Rolling Stones, my first time seeing him, and it was amazing. Uh, And I'm standing in the pit. It's incredible. The next night was Neil Young and Promises of the Real. Did you get in the pit and love someone? I I loved myself. I was so excited. It was just incredible. It was so much fun. And then the next night in the pit all night for Neil Young and Promise of the Real. And the wind is blowing and it is fantastic. What a great show. And then uh, Paul McCartney followed him. And the following night, it was The Who followed by Roger Roger Waters. Just unbelievable, like three nights of concerts. So, um so that's my T-shirt. That's the T-shirt I'm wearing. What are you wearing? All right. Thanks for thanks for making me feel bad again for my, <laughs> for my life decisions. I appreciate that. It's what I'm here for. Um, so I'm actually not wearing a T-shirt for this episode. I am. You went topless. You went topless. I went, I went topless today. I'm I'm pulling my my best Burt Kreischer impersonation. <laughs> um, the, the, there's a there's a little uh, there's a little jab at you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we we can we can save that for another 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 <laughs> ep- podcast right. episode. I'm actually wearing a Christmas present from my kids. This is my Edgar Martinez Seattle Mariners button up jersey. Oh, nice! That's dope. I like it. I asked for that for Christmas. I was convinced that my favorite Mariner player of all time would finally get the nod for the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I am super excited. Because I'm going to be joining my good friend Jeff in Cooperstown this year to celebrate that special day with Edgar. That we are. And uh, also my favorite Mariner of all time. My absolute favorite. Uh, I'm very, very excited. I was, uh, I was, you know, I knew I was, I knew I was kind of emotional about it coming up, but I didn't realize how emotional I was going to be when they read his name. I, it choked me up. I know yeah. there's no crying in baseball. I've seen the movie, but I have been waiting for that moment for a long time, and it, it definitely meant something to see them call his name finally, and then to watch clips of him finding out. Uh, so I can't wait to be there. I was there for Griffey's induction, and we'll be there for Edgar's this summer, and it's just going to be fantastic. You know, the only thing that's going to suck about going to Cooperstown this year is we're going to see a lot of Yankees paraphernalia. Yeah. Well, that's definitely going to be all over the place. Musina, Musina will have some Yankees along with his Orioles. And then of course, Rivera, it's just going to be packed. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. But when I went, I, when I went for Griffey, it was, it was Piazza. So it was all Mets fans and I did not enjoy them. I'll tell you that right now. And you know that I'm a Mets fan dating back to my, you know, my Keith Hernandez, uh, admiration days. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you. I've I've gone to a couple games there at City Field, and Mets fans are annoying. Oh They're boy, annoying. yeah. Or maybe it's just New Yorkers in general, but it it might be. It's possible. Okay. I don't want to turn off New York listeners from your podcast, but uh... well, I don't think I have any. <laughs> so, uh, well, so yeah. So I guess this is not going to be the episode where they just start tuning in in droves. No, uh, and and this is probably and, and I joked about this with you yesterday when we were chatting. Um, this is probably going to be that episode that everybody looks on their feed and says, they're going to talk about who I, I agree. And I know it's going to happen. And it, it's, uh, it's, it's a shame to me. This is, I think this is one of the most underappreciated bands uh, out there. I genuinely do. Uh, and it's not going to help when you're cutting together clips and playing clips. Cause they're not really a, you know, it's not a quick soundbite no, type band. Did we even introduce what the topic is? I don't know if we did. No, okay. I don't think we did. Uh, all right. So today we are going to talk about Wilco. We are going to talk about Wilco. So getting back to the, the, the shirt. So I almost wore my Wilco shirt. You don't want to, don't be that guy. 
that's from PCU for those Uh, of you who didn't get that that's uh often quoted uh uh movies in fact uh I saw I saw Jeremy Piven is doing some stand-up yeah I saw that as well um I don't know if you know uh, this but I'm a stand-up so I I do see some of that I I I know Uh, I know I know you we we hadn't gotten to oh okay all right all right um so do you see me trying to slip in my own advertisement right in the middle of your podcast I did I'm like just Slow your roll, dude. You're, right, you're, right. You're, you'll get opportunities to plug all yourself. All right, man. all right. Let's just, do it. Just, just chill. <laughs> it's all about the chill, my brother. I know, I know. But I, you know, I figured it. It may not be cool to wear the T-shirt of the band that you're seeing live, but I thought it would be kind of cool to wear that T-shirt when you're talking about the band on the podcast. So it, it probably is. It's fine. Well, I'm I'm recording the next episode I'm I'm doing I'm recording with Ira Elliott from from Not a Surf, so I'll ask him I'll ask him if it's if it was if it would be okay if I wore the Not a Surf shirt that I have for the recording of that episode. We'll, we'll I'm I'm curious what the, what the musicians have to say about that. Yeah, ask him from a band's perspective what that rule is. Yeah. I mean, we're just going off of PCU and John Favreau and. Piven, I don't know if that's really the, I don't know if Wait, that's the authority right. on it. You Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Here's, uh, and here's the thing that excites me about Wilco um, and talking about it with you is Wilco is, um, I'm proud of this because this is a band that I pushed on you. I absolutely pushed you toward, I'm like, you've got, I'm telling you, you're going to love Wilco. And when you see him live, you're going to love him more because like, you know, because like a, a an older brother, like a much older brother, much older you brother. introduced me to a, <laughs> oh, no. to a lot of music, you know, um, you, you introduced me to some really, some things that cling with me to this day as my favorites, Posies, Replacements, Neil Young, um, Van Morrison, who's no longer in my tops, but I did love him for yeah, a stretch a good, of time. It was a good stretch you know. for me as well. I still, I, I, I still yeah. will occasionally pull out, you know, St. Dominic's preview or, you know, Moondance is phenomenal. And I love Hymns to the Silence. That's one of my favorite albums. I know that most Van Morrison fans will disagree with me. Um, but yeah, I, I still go back to that. I mean, uh, I, I like I like Van Morrison. Um, it, what what did it for me and what hurt him for me is the two yeah. live shows I saw. I'm very much a, a concert show, band, and that'll get into Wilco soon as well. But I'm a concert guy, and if you don't bring it in your concerts, and if you more than that, if you look like you're annoyed that we're there, it's very hard for me to kind of you know uh, stay connected to you the same way um like i'll play into the mystic uh seven eight times and cry like a baby but uh i don't love you the same way i used to you know that's 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 valid that's valid i think we all gonna go through peaks and valleys of of bands that we like but you you turned me on to a lot of music you were very very influential uh in in my music tastes uh you know when i was just coming out in high school you had introduced me to a lot of stuff and so when i turned you on i'm like trust me man this is me paying you back this is this is me repaying a debt this is what what wilco is and and uh so i'm i'm proud to have turned you on to wilco so let's let's go back to that you turning me on to wilco so you know how you got me right you and i would would make um you know cds for for one another of bands that we liked and right you put you put a replacement album at the end of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. And I think that you knew that that was going to be the way to, to pull me into actually listening to the CD. Cause I'm like, yeah. cause I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to listen. I'm going to go listen to, 
you know, all these cool replacement outtakes that you threw on the CD for me. So I'm sneaky that, that way. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you were, you were, you were sneaky. And then I took you to your first Wilco concert. You did. I uh, did. That was now 10 years ago. Yeah. It's crazy to me that that's all it is, to be honest with you, because I feel like yeah. uh, we've been going to shows uh, together for them for a long time. So here's my philosophy on Wilco, and this is why this this episode may not work quite the way that I would like it to or that you would like it to. So my philosophy on Wilco is you give a man a Wilco album, he'll listen for a day. You take a man to their live show, and he'll listen for life. That is that is my – I wrote that, kind of. I cribbed it a little bit from someone else's words. but You know, unfortunately, it didn't work – quite well enough because i did take mckay uh you know my uh my, my former bandmate i took mckay to to a show got got some free tickets i was like hey th- i gotta take you you know you, you you keep you keep uh wondering why i'm into this wilco band and you know he walked away from there going wow they're really great musicians but you know not really my cup of tea you know, he's more into the the whole uh, nine inch nails type of type of uh, stuff. That's that's more. Yeah, of well, that's more. Of you it. can't teach. You can't teach taste. Right. I mean, that's... Right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he did walk away from there, you know, in I think enjoying it. I mean, McKay, if you're listening, you can tell me otherwise. But to to that end. So one of my one of my good friends here in Florida, um, he grew up outside of Chicago knew of knew of the band um uh, and I'll I'll talk about Don here in just a minute but you know I took him um after I I guess it was a couple of years after I went to the show there with you in LA um and I, and now he is my he's my Wilco buddy I mean we've now gone to I, I thought I was your Wilco buddy well you are too but um <laughs> he he lives I get close. very jealous very fast that's he, what you got to be careful he lives closer yeah, that's true. Um, you know, he's a forty-five minute drive. You are, um, yeah, you're a, a six and a half hour flight. So, yeah, I've gone to more shows with Don. I think I've yeah. gone to four shows. You and I have gone to what three? Is it three? I thought I can. I thought it was just two. We did the, no, the show in no, California, no, and we went right. to the Ryman. Yeah, you're right. It was only two. So yeah, um, I guess Don is Don is my Wilco buddy. I'm sorry. That sucks. Well, that's a, that hurts a little bit. Honestly, it hurts. It, you don't. You don't want to. You don't want to see your lover's lover. Uh, is what you don't want to well, see. Well, you know, it's payback for you wearing your old Coachella shirt. Okay. All right. Well, that makes so. Uh, hey, it's old Coachella. You sound like an old person when you say old Coachella. This is, you're not. You're not hip. <laughs> Sorry. My. That's all right. All right. All right. Here's uh, I was uh, just one one thing about what I was telling you about with them for so the live shows is what really really sold me. So I I first discovered Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. I bought it at a Fred Meyer in Tacoma. Um, we, yeah, we we had flown up to Washington. We were in East, Western Washington and doing some stuff with the family, and so we had a long drive to Eastern Washington to my folks' house, and I grabbed Yankee Hotel Foxtrot because it was on all the lists, and then we drove through the night, and I tried to listen to it. As we drove east, and I was like, "I'm gonna fall asleep. This is not good. This is uh, I don't know what this is. The noise, all this stuff. I didn't get it. It wasn't the right way to introduce myself to it. And when I got back to work, uh, there was an editor that I worked with. He was from Chicago. His name is Steve Wood, and he he's like, "What do you mean you don't like it? You got, he's like, "You got to listen to it again." I'm like, "Nah, I didn't like it." He goes, "You got to listen. Trust me again." And and I listened to it, and I was like, "Oh, I listened to it in the right context and the right feel." And then 
And then Ghost is Born came out and he goes, he'd moved back to Chicago. He goes, you've got to come out and visit. Um, Wilco is playing um, the Vic Theater and uh, they're recording this for a live album. You got to come out. So he invited me out and I went and saw him live for the first time and blew my mind. Absolutely. I was in love, just absolutely in love and, and the musicianship and the energy and, and uh, you know, the difference from that. Um, I read a quote this week from Tweety that I thought was super, super cool that I think is really spot on. He said that, uh, I think we record so quickly after songs are written that my complaint about Wilco records in general would be that, uh, and I think this may be true of a lot of bands is that the album tempos are just glacial compared to where they end up live. And he talked about how, when you first start doing something, you're not as good at it. And then you do it over and over and over through repetition and you get better and tighter and faster. And I think that's how their albums, sometimes their albums don't have the finished version yeah. of the songs because they keep perfecting them and they're so good live and their arrangements are so good yeah. live. Yeah. You know, to, to that end of the whole, the, the live experience. And we'll, and we'll talk about that on a couple of the, the songs that we, that we chose right. because we're like, no, 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 you have to you have to use the kicking television version, which is the, the, the live album that came from from those Chicago concerts that you went to. Right. Yep. I was at I was at one of the shows that they recorded. I know some of the banter from right. the shows. I was like, yeah. I was there. So. Can can you like try and place yourself in the in the crowd noise? No, I can't do that. But I remember I vividly remember where I was sitting. I was front row of, of the uh, balcony. And uh, it was just absolutely transcendent for me. I'm a big live shows guy. I that's my that's my happy place. That's I feel this is going to feel very new agey and, and BS, but that's where I feel very very spiritual and very connected is live shows or national parks. Like those are my two. Nature and live music are where I feel kind of the most centered and grounded and connected to other people. And and uh, that's why when someone puts off that bad energy like a Van Morrison at his shows, I just yeah. uh, it just takes me no, out. So. No, I I and I've said this on multiple episodes where it's like live music is my happy place. That is yeah, very much for me. Absolutely. Yeah, too. All right. So for this episode, so Jeff and I put together our favorite lists. So we, what we did was we took 20 songs and then we averaged our scores out to get our essential 15 songs. Um, I also did have my friend Don give me his top 20 and we were originally going to incorporate his songs into the averages but um he screwed up number he, he screwed up number one he, that's he part of up it number one so for for us yeah we we definitely have latched onto our number one song and well that's the crazy thing is like this list could have been i could have made 50 this was the I know, hardest i had such a hard list to make but you and i came up with the same number one which is kind of insane to me because it's not that obvious with this band you can go so yeah. many directions and so many things you and i coming up with the same number one and the same right. number three i was like that, that's which became our number two because our twos right. didn't match but it you know and and the nice thing is i don't have to do scores uh and and pull a netta on this thing so i can uh you know, I can just like sit back. All the scoring has been done. I don't have to. By the do way, math. Steve absolutely loves the fact that we've used his. <laughs> we're now using his name as a verb. Yeah, and I know that Wayne gave you crap about not doing twelve, and I'm like, I'm not doing anything associated with the Seahawks. I'm not doing that. That's not my. That's not my thing. It's, but but, let, but let, <laughs> let, let let me just go back to to Don scoring. So, 
So yeah, so, yeah, sure. So the reason why we threw his out, and I'm having lunch with Don tomorrow, so I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll tell him in advance that uh, yeah, we didn't we didn't use this was our number one. He didn't even have on his top twenty. That that was the problem too. It wasn't just that he didn't connect at number one. We could have probably forgiven that when it doesn't make your top twenty. And this is the guy you're saying has been to four shows with you. Yes, I'm like. This song is, to me, the one, if you go to a Wilco show, don't go expecting to see one song because they mix their sets up every night. But this is more than any other song, the song that you will feel its absence if it's not played at a show you're at. It just, it just will. I agree. It, it, yep, I agree. So the fact that you tell me he's been to four shows with you really surprised me. It didn't make his top 20. And that was like, I was like, I'm not doing the podcast unless we throw it out. I'm striking. I am striking and our scores will stand just combined together. Sorry, Don. Yeah. I'm a dick. <laughs> so so at, at least we can say, so his top song ended up being our fourth favorite song. So, you know, we do give him a little bit of leniency for that. And he and I paired up on another song yes. that is really, really personal to me. So I, I was like, oh, okay, I, I, yeah. it's not a bad list, Don. It's not a bad list. No, I don't, I don't mean any disrespect. No, no, not, not at all. I mean, and he told me, he told me in advance, he was like, now there's a few songs on here that, are super personal to me. He's like, um, like for instance, his second favorite song is red eyed and blue. That's not a hugely popular, uh, Wilco song. I think we may have seen it played at the Ryman. And I think that that's, I think, I think so. that's the only time that we, we did hear that song live. Um, I mean, it's, it's considered a deep, deep cut. I would think from, is it, is that one on AM? I think that's on AM. Isn't it? I think it's on yeah. AM. I think that's where it's at. Um, but um, you know, this was a song that he's like, I love playing this on the piano, and so this is you know my my. And to be clear, there's not a song on your list that doesn't match mine, or on his list that doesn't match mine. That I'm like, why is this on the list? I I love their music, and there there are not many songs from them that I'm like, nah, don't ever play that for me. Right. It's just not that kind of band for yeah. me. No, I, no. I agree. Um, he also um, had heavy metal drummer as one of his top songs. We didn't have we didn't have that song on our list of twenty either. Good song, which is kind of crazy because it's a, it's oh, an yeah, amazing it, song and and it it almost feels like a, a slight yeah, to not have it in there. Of. I mean, it's a good song. It just didn't make yeah. the cut. There are a few other. It just didn't make the cut. Yeah, there's a few other ones yeah. that didn't make the cut. So here are the songs that just barely missed the top fifteen for us. So I'm the man who loves you. Yeah. Um. You know, I I wrote that about you. Oh, Chuck. Or about me towards you? Maybe. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. It's it's fine. We we have that yeah. man crush thing going on. on one yeah, of right. It's, it's it's cool. I can't wait to spoon with you in Cooperstown. Um, <laughs> I'm the outer spoon. Dang it. <laughs> I call you it You always first. call it. It's like, you always... it's like shotgun. <laughs> uh, I got to wrap my big bear arms around you. Uh, let's see. I might. That barely missed the cut. Um, I'm o- I'm always in love. Barely missed the cut, oh. which again is a phenomenal song live. Um, if if you if you don't think that Wilco is a is a band that you can dance to, well, you haven't been to a show when they do. I'm always nope. in love. Um, now, granted, Wilco fans, we don't know how to dance properly, so I mean, it's it's really more of a white man, you know, overbite shuffle type of thing. But you know, we we. Yeah, we yeah. we still dance. Mine's a lot like the one in Can't Buy Me Love. I've kind of always Ooh, stuck with that. The that, you African know, the... anteater ritual. Yes, yes, oh, it's, yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, 
Um, so theologians. Did I say theologians? No, which is a that's one of my like um, that's one of my uh, ones that I'm disappointed isn't on there because it, it it is one that I just absolutely love and it's one that um, my aunt my aunt sometimes she's very born again Christian she will send me like Christian songs she's she'll just text them to me and I'm like that's not really my jam but she still just sends them so finally I was like. Uh, okay, here's one I'm listening to, and I sent her back. Theologians don't know nothing about my soul. You know that that was my like subtle response that I know that she didn't get, and um, I know luckily she doesn't know how to listen to podcasts. I don't think so. Um, she won't I, know the joke now. Yeah, I think we're safe. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, is she is she on your socials? Sometimes. Okay. Well, here and there, well, she she might click on the. Link. I love her. I love her, yeah. but uh, she knows that sometimes I don't like uh, I don't like uh, the the things being pushed. And so I shot back with theologians and I was like, that's a nice, like subtle, but I, I love that song a lot. I really love that song. And it's, it's got the, uh, it's got the, the name of, of ghost is born built into the, uh, the album. It is. And one of her into the song. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, you, and you can blame me for torpedoing that one because, uh, you gave that a 12. Um, and I didn't, didn't have that in my top 20, but yeah, on the same token, one of the other songs that missed the list was impossible Germany. I had that as a 12 on my list and you didn't have that on yours. I didn't have it on my list and I went back and forth on it quite a bit. Um, that's not a song that I love on the album and I didn't love it when sky blue sky came out, which was an album I actually did love. Um, it wasn't until I saw Nels do that live and the way that he expands on it. It is a brilliant live song. And so I kind of bounced back and forth as to whether or not that was going to get included just because it's where the live song came from. But I kind of went another direction with the list and, and went with something else. But it's a great song. It's, oh. it's, again, another one that if you didn't see it in one of their shows, you'd be disappointed. Nels, Nels is insane on that one. Incredible. Um, yeah. Um, all right, so we ready to jump into the the top fifteen? I think so. Yeah. All right. I think that's... All right. So let's uh, let's 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 start. Here, so here's the interest. Here's another interesting fact I found: twelve okay. of our fifteen are on Paste Magazine's top thirty for Wilco as well. So I don't think we did that bad. Okay. What What did they say was number one? Oh, I don't know if I've got it up still. I didn't. You. Okay. I took notes. I didn't take good notes. <laughs> <laughs> So you pulled a netta. I was trying to show. I was trying to show off. No, come on, that is not pulling a netta. Like, uh, that's not pulling. A, I, just the fact that I got the numbers twelve and fifteen out of their top thirty. <laughs> that that keeps me from pulling a netta. I'm pretty right. sure. Um, and I don't care what their number one is. It's it's not. It's it wasn't quite ours. Ours was very close to their top. Okay. But so we had a three way tie for number fifteen. So really, it's a three-way tie for number 13. Uh, so this is a song off of Wilco, the album. This is one week.
and I make no apologies for my love of harmonies. If you've listened to the podcast, you will know that. Um, I think that there are some really good backing and some layered vocals on this particular one. And I think that if I had any complaints with Wilco, and there really isn't many, it's that John Starrott, the bassist, is, I think, really underutilized with his vocals. Um, for instance, I, I love the first part of You Are My Face where he and Tweety are kind of singing co-vocals. You know, John, John can carry a tune. I mean, he is he is the front man of their little side project called The Autumn Defense. He does with another member of Wilco. That's Pat Sansone, who is a multi-instrumentalist. Right. Um, and if you like if you like the Sky Blue Sky album, then I think you would really like Autumn Defense. This, you know, we've, we've talked about Sky Blue Sky as one of those, you know, Saturday afternoon nap time type of uh, albums. Autumn Defense is on a couple of my playlists for um, mellow, mellow songs. Um, and if you haven't listened to uh, Bluebird's Fall, which was released last summer. That's a really good mood piece. Um, so, you know, One Wing, I think, really captures a little bit of that extra harmony. And I just love, I love the lyrics. I mean, um, the the imagery that uh, that Tweety is, is using where, you know, One Wing um, will never, ever fly. Um, you need two of those. Um, I just... I really dig the song. It's a great live as well. And, um, you know, it's going back to what you were saying of this is not a band that was, that's easily clippable. Is that, I don't know if that's even a word. I mean, I, I don't know either, but I, I agree with you for sure. And and I agree with you about Starat. Starat is, he's got a great voice for these harmonies. Starat is the only other like original member right. of Wilco. And um, it, it, which gets back to, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but one of the things that when people, when I'm trying to introduce them to Wilco that irks me so bad is they're like, oh, Wilco, is that the band where Jeff Tweedy's ego gets in the way and he just kicks everybody out? Which it, it just, it's so far from true. They've had the same lineup since 2004. Nothing has changed. And and when you look at some of the people that were replaced, like it's it's really unquestionable who they did replace them with. They're just, they're that amazing. So it, it was, some people left, uh, you know, obviously there was a really public exit for Jay Bennett um getting kicked out and you know and he was part of a lot of their great music but I, I i think from what i could tell he was also sort of you know had an ego that got in the way of a lot of it and and uh but starat was certainly part of um you know helping to form who came in as well and and his voice and i, I agree with you on autumn defense they're fantastic and this this song i'm glad you picked it uh it didn't make my list but it, it was shortly cut off because I, it's just gorgeous it's an absolutely beautiful song and and like you said the metaphor of a couple being two wings of a bird that you're useless when you're separated. Um, you w can't fly with one wing. You can only wave goodbye. Essentially. I, I, I yeah, love it. I love the yeah, uh, imagery. It's great. Uh, lyrically um, fantastic. So that's the, and, and, and you know, me with my lyrics, I do love the lyrics just as much as I love the, you know, the harmony and melody. So, right. Yep. All right. So um also on the uh, the the tide for thirteen is um, this is ashes of American flags. I'm down on my hands and knees every time the door. 
doorbell rings I shake like a toothache When I hear myself sing So this is uh this is a song off of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Um, what what do you got to what do you got to share about that? We're putting this one from Kicking Television, right? This is, we're going with the live version on this. I think we'll this. go with the live version because the live version is really, really fantastic. Right. And this is uh, that's the thing about Ashes of American Flags. And this is why I picked this over um, Impossible Germany because we have it on disc. This is an interesting one because it was off Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. And it's a great song on there. But oh, my goodness, it just it comes to life on that Kicking Television album. And what Nils brings to the song, and he wasn't there for the studio version. This is the this is Impossible Germany before Impossible Germany. This is the one that it has this huge instrumental, this huge guitar breakdown in it, uh, and he just takes it over. But even the beginning parts are so much warmer and and richer. Um, it, it it's a little bit more cold and sterile, I think, on the album. And whatever I don't know if it's the equipment he's using, I don't know if it's the amps, I don't know what it is, but it's so much more warming, uh, warm and inviting in in the uh, kicking television version. It's just absolutely beautiful, beautiful. Um, and, and this is, uh, for, for me, Tweedy writes mainly two types of songs and he writes, he writes, uh, usually either poetry that's almost like esoteric, uh, or stories. And this one kind of falls squarely into a poetic camp, uh, in that he's, you know, kind of making some references or allegories and there's meanings, but a lot of it is also about the way the words play together. Um, this, this has one of my favorite little runs of lyrics. I'm down on my hands and knees. Every time I hear a doorbell ring, I shake like a toothache. Every time I hear myself sing, uh, I just think that's, that's such a cool, it's just the imagery of it and the self-reflection of it. And, uh, um, it's just, just really, really cool. Um, there's a lot of kind of quiet despair in this one. Um, and it, and, and then the way that everything sort of slowly degrades into this, um, like it's like a cacophony of distortion and noise. It's it's a great example of of a um, like a, a noise as art kind of a piece where all of these sounds come together in a way that uh, uh, make it uh, things that would be noise if it weren't together or produced right, and it and it really comes together nicely. So let's um, let's talk about the lyrics. What 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 does this song even mean? Like, you know, it's like, I mean, I don't it, know. It, I mean, it kind of just ends with, you know, I'd like to salute the ashes of American flags and all the fallen leaves filling up shopping bags. Again, great imagery. That's definitely poetic. But it's like, what does this have to do with anything? 
I think sometimes his lyrics mean something and sometimes they don't. It's hard to tell the difference. And I think that sometimes people will dive into, you know, there's a lot of different philosophies and whatever. I had read that he said in in an interview that it was inspired by those, by watching those who had the balls to burn an American flag is what I had read. Now, if that's true or not, I couldn't find the interview. And, And even that, it's like, it's not that he's agreeing with it per se, but I think that it's that idea of someone who would feel that passionate about something to take that action whereas the character in this song is a little more sort of ambivalent all my lies are only wishes i know i would die if i could come back new is it's this idea of if you got to start over again you you get a do-over like who hasn't had that notion a time or two in their lives where if you knew you could get a fresh start would you hit the reset button And that that's what seems to be what he's saying in this song a little bit. Um, and that answer probably depends on what stage in life you are, really. Um, you know, there's uh, if I were asked that same question right now with three kids and all that sort of stuff. No, I, I can't. But there's times in my life where I probably would have taken it. Well, you you, so. you did hit the reset button. You know, at, at I've hit reset buttons in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's the thing. I guess, you know, not full on start overs, but I have kind of embraced this idea that um, at, t- at points in time, I thought that I was too old to maybe do something or I let other people talk me into being too old to do something. And then I suddenly just kind of step back and go, you know what? I, I can either believe other people's perspective on this or I can jump out. And if I fail, I fail. But at least I know I've tried. And and I've kind of embraced that. Uh, I did that very, very late in my 30s. 38, I did a lot of restarting. Um you know, I became a stand-up comic. I, I um, wanted to make a docu- documentary film, and I did. Um, I started my own company kind of all at the yeah. same time, which I don't recommend to anybody. But uh, you should go after stuff. And I, I think that there is that sort of longing in this song that is, that maybe is reflective of that. And I didn't think about it that way, so I, I think your perspective is good. But I guess I did hit the yeah. reset button. Well, uh, now I'm kind of turning this episode into more of a you-made-it-weird episode instead of a... Right. You know, Sorry, Pete. We're yeah. just stealing it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, keep it crispy. Um, keep it crispy. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, 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 by, oh. by the way, have you listened to the uh, uh, episode with Matt Nathanson? I haven't. I haven't. I'll listen to it. Uh, uh, I, I love. I love Pete's podcast. I, I really do. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of my. Yeah. That's a bucket list dream. Like if I could get big enough as a comic to get a chance right. to get on there, it won't happen. But I can dream. A boy can dream. That episode's really great. Okay. In fact. In fact, they they talk about music for about two minutes, yeah. and everything else is just spirituality and oh, you know, was, philosophy. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was it was great. Um, all right, so moving on to our last tied for uh, tied for thirteen. So this is um, also a song off of Wilco, the album. This is you and I. But you and I, I think we can take it. All the good with the bad Make something that no one else has But you and I You and I Me and you What can we do? Well, the words we use sometimes Are misconstrued all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna share my 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 feist story our feist story uh, all right well 
okay well we'll, we'll call it our 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 five story so um the concert that we went to my very first wilco concert that we went to was only a, a small handful of times that this song has actually been performed live and if i remember correctly they said that this was the first time that it it had been done live since vice had recorded her part separately from the band and then through the magic of editing of course they put the, the their two tracks together to come up with this and this is it I, I would say if there was any examples of okay well has wilco ever made a pop song that is radio friendly this would have been it easily i don't even know how to start on the on the 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 the, the feist um story so um, so you and I are waiting outside trying to get autographs of the band. We're desperate nerds. I'm sorry. I'm just going to tagline. I'm going to like subtitle everything you say. No, yeah. No, 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 that's, that, that's okay. fine. I appreciate right. that. Um, Wayne, Wayne always gives me crap about my, you know, you know, uh, using the quotation marks. So yes, there's plenty of that in parentheses, uh, for this story. <laughs> so we're wait. so we're waiting outside and we, we, we see that um, off to the side of the wheel turn, there is a bunch of cones that are set aside for, you could tell they were trying to reserve some parking spots. Well, this white Honda Accord keeps circling around the wheel turn. She pulls into one of the, the spots and I don't know what she, did she panic um, that maybe she shouldn't have been there or something, but she runs over one of the cones and starts and then goes back out into into traffic. She's she, did she have one or two of the cones? Because I think she ran over like I, multiple, I think she was dragging cones. a couple of cones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I wave her. I wave this person down and stop her. Pull the cones out from under her car. Then somebody from inside the wheel turn points over to the parking spots. She goes and parks. And you and I are both looking at each other, going. She looks really familiar. Really familiar. <laughs> and and like it bugged us all night because we're like, okay, that was a reserved spot. Like, who would that have been? And so the opening band, Ockerville River, um, is it the bassist who's female? So, I think so. I can't remember now. I, uh, it was a bassist or guitarist. So anyways, we're, so we're looking at each other going, was that her? It doesn't look no, like her, that, though. No, yeah, that, that, yeah. That, uh, so then um, halfway through the, the, the show, um, Tweety is like, so there's a there's a new song off our off our new album that we did with Feist. And this is the first time that we've played it. And she walks out on the onto the stage and you and I both look at each other going, that was freaking Leslie Feist, man. Right. right. So, exactly. So anyway, so after the show. Um, after the show, you know, we get the obligatory pictures with and, um, Feist, you know, is was so nice. Like she remembered me from earlier of dragging the cones out from under her accord. And she's like, please don't put this on the internet. So, <laughs> so I guess, I guess we're probably, um, we're, we're probably no longer, um, granting her wishes because now it's going to be on a on this episode but oh yeah i didn't think about that you just yeah. outed her so I many just, years later i just outed her as a really bad driver feist you're a great singer horrible driver um, yeah it was yeah. pretty bad yeah um do, you know what just came to mind that i had completely 
spaced out from this day. We saw him at the wheel turn. And, and um, this, this, I put this on my list as well. Um, it, it's this, uh, it's, it's a real unique Wilco song. There's no other song like it, I think, in their catalog. I think it's why it made it, but I don't think it would have made it without having seen that as well. It was seeing Feist live. It was the little interaction with her. So yeah. that's probably why it was on my list. Um, but it also is interesting because it's a seemingly beautiful and hopeful song, but it also, there's a lot of mystery between the two as well of like, you don't need to know that much about me. It's almost like, let's keep this sort of a casual level. Um, do you remember who we, we, do you remember who, you remember what big event happened that day? Yeah. It was Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson passed away. Yeah. Who else? Uh, Farrah Fawcett. Right. Farrah Fawcett first. Yeah. And then, and then we found out Michael Jackson was like, oh, sorry, Farrah Fawcett. Like you got bumped. Like, right. Um, it was crazy. It was just a crazy surreal day. Uh, all the way around, it was just a surreal day. And I remember speaking of autographing, and this is the dark side of autographing. There was another guy there autographing as well, and um, clearly like a real hardcore seller of items. And he got so excited when he heard that Michael Jackson had died because right. he's like, I just got a ton of stuff signed from him when he was pro- uh, rehearsing for his uh, tour at the at the forum. And he was so excited and was like, oh, boy, don't if I ever cross that line, like, I hope, you know, I hope you point out to me that that's that's just not where you're at. Like, no, where you celebrate somebody's death, because now, now, right now, now your stuff is worth more. It's really dark, really dark, especially you're not talking about you're not talking about someone way at the end. Of, it's not like when Johnny Cash died as a much older person. You're like, well, I might make a little more right. off of that. He died, uh, you know, a little young, uh, as it were. Yeah. So. Interesting. So that was it. Was an interesting story. That was uh, that was part of yeah, our experience. That was that was that was a fun, very fun weekend. So, so two thousand nine was worst year of my life. My buddy Jeff was like, you know what? I think you need you need a weekend away from stuff. And because that's the kind of generous, loving person it, I am. That, that's right. So, <laughs> um, Mariners were playing the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. There was a Wilco show going on that weekend. So, yep. um, so yeah, that was a, that was a very good, very good. Uh, we recreated a picture uh, of ourselves at Dodger Stadium that we had taken in uh-oh. 1994, four, four, yeah, 1994 uh, when we were at a Dodger game, we were at the Dodger game, the, 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 day after Ramon Martinez threw a no-hitter because we wanted to see Nomo. So we had picked the wrong game. We picked the right game because we wanted to see Hideo Nomo pitch. Yep. Uh, but we had accidentally gone a day too late to see Ramon Martinez throw a no-hitter. We, um, we, yeah, but then we, we recreated a picture out in the stands with just fatter, older versions of ourselves. Yeah. I think I had hair in the first one. Did you? I don't yeah. remember you ever having hair. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. I remember he had some hair. <laughs> I think there's people listening now that are like, you should just get a room. Like, you guys should just get a room at this point. Um, It's getting awkward. It's getting weird. All right. Well, sorry for that. (laughs) That was a good. That was a good. That was a good weekend. It It was was a really good weekend. It was a a great distraction. It was a good, good distraction. That was uh, one of the highlights for 2009 with uh, an otherwise uh, really dark year of my life. So, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, moving on. So number 12, this is The Art of Almost. I had other ways to help myself
get us started on this, this uh, discussion. Art of Almost. So this is off of uh, The Whole Love, which is an album that I just adore. It's it's not my favorite. It's it's my second favorite album. And and um, I love this album so much. Um, it, it, I actually found a quote to kind of support what I, I was thinking this. And so this week, as I was doing some research with Tweety, um, my thought on this album is like, this was three albums in when they had solidified that lineup. This is the third album with Nels Klein and, and Michael Jorgensen and, and, you know, everybody, Pat Sansone, everybody's locked in at this point. And my feeling with this album is that this is where they, they really feel like they have come into their own and gelled together. And then I find a, a quote from, uh, I think it's Montreal Gazette interview uh, where Tweedy is talking about this album too. And he goes, I mean, the whole love is a record just in general in the lifespan of this lineup is where Wilco and all the individual members of Wilco finally got the most comfortable with being in Wilco, having a band that everyone started off at different times other than John and myself. It took a little bit of time for everybody to let go of the fact that they were playing some other person's parts or that they're coming into this thing that's already defined or already has yeah. an audience. Everybody made really significant contributions right off the bat, but internally the psychology of it finally faded away. And this is our, band and the, the whole love to me is the first record where it feels like all the different personalities are allowing themselves to be their own personalities and i get that with this album this album right off the bat you talk a lot about on your podcast how important it is to start off um with a strong opening track and i'm a hundred percent that way as well and this one kicks off with a seven minute and 16 right. second just frenetic so cool so many great um nels klein contributions to this uh it is it just absolutely blows you away out of the gate and tells you like buckle up this this album is going to be maybe something different uh than what you, we've given you in the last two and it really is um i it doesn't hurt that i saw them four times on this tour so that helps my my perspective of it and then one of the times also the first time i saw them on this tour i happened to be in london filming the documentary and they were they they were there that weekend and i got tickets to go see them at, at this venue called the roundhouse which is one of the most spectacular intimate venues I, i've ever been to um it's like this converted train shed that's like 50 years it's been doing shows now uh and has been you know remodeled different times but really really beautiful and when they kicked it off with this uh with this song uh, it just it the whole place just buzzes and and you can feel the energy of the whole show is going to be um just frenetic and and it was and uh it it is it so, is fantastic great song. live i think you probably do have that connection since you 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 know you saw this multiple times during that tour um, I mean, I didn't have this on my top 20. It barely, barely missed the top 20 for me. It's super great live. But I think if you listen to the, the you know, just the studio version, haven't had that experience. I mean, Wayne was listening to our, our playlist that we put together for the Essential 15. By the way, if you want to go, go check out any of these Wil Wilco songs, you can find me on Spotify. Um, and this is their essential 15 Wilco songs. So this is on there. Wayne was checking it out and he's like, what is this art of almost? This is awful. And it's not, and, it's and, not. And the first time I listened to this album, the first time I hadn't seen it live. And I was like, this is going to be amazing live. So sometimes it's having seen it live and sometimes it's listening to it, knowing I, how great it's going to I be. I think it's that anticipation that you're like, oh my Maybe. gosh, this is going to translate so well live. 
maybe I still, I love, but I, I still, we don't have a live, we don't have a kicking television after that. And so I still just listen to the, the studio album on this and, and I love it. I love this song so yeah. much. Um, and, and, you know, in, in the, uh, you know, the, <laughs> again, it's a real art of noise song. It's a lot of elements coming yeah. together. It's Glenn's, Glenn's percussion. It comes together in this in this way that feels like it's really, really chaotic, but it all ends up blending. And, and I, I just think it's a spectacular song. Um, there, there was part of that Montreal Gazette interview, actually. Uh, they were asking about the Art of Almost. And Gazette's like, uh, on Art of Almost and maybe a few others, it sounds like you were going for word association with the lyrics. Was that the case? And Tweedy goes, no, no, those songs and maybe a few others, the process is more like translation than any other process I could make an analogy for. I grunt and make noises and sounds that I think sound like what lyrics would sound like if I had any. And then I go and listen to them over and over and over again until it sounds like words. And then I write them down. And he goes, so you're you're basically transcribing grunts. He's like, yeah, yeah, basically. With, <laughs> which with, I just think is, I love it. To the lyrics on this, where it's like, I I never know when I might ambulance hoist the horns with my own hands. Almost, yes, almost. What? It's I love it. I love it. I love the esoteric nature of it. It's total T. S. Eliot going going on. Maybe you know. Maybe yeah. I'm pretty unapologetic, unapologetically in love with in love with Wilco though. So that's again, I you know, I, if I could convince everybody, if I could teach the world to to sing, and uh, I wouldn't sing these songs, I would just teach them to listen to them. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, also tied. So this was a, a tie. Forgot to say that. Art of Almost was tied with I Am Trying to Break Your song we both had this on our list i had it at three points you had it at 11 so that kind of averaged it out here um is this another one where we would probably lean towards the live version of it or no 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 actually this is um this is one of the songs that I feel out of all other canon is one of their strongest studio produced songs i think this song is so well produced there the layers of sounds come through on it it's it's something that uh i think kind of pet sounds era brian wilson would actually appreciate the things that are going on it's it feels like the sounds of an alarm clock as a piano starts to play and then guitar kicks in with a couple of like simple drum beats and this cool bass line 
um, the, the mixing kind of moves, you know, from waves of, you know, one sound of your speakers to the next in your, in your headphones. And it just, it, it sort of evolves into this almost scary chorus at the end of I'm the man who loves you, which is a much later tune on that album. Um, it, this, this again was, uh, a first song on the album and it kicks it off so strong as to really let you know, like, look, we had a, we had a three album run as Wilco that we've been trying to kind of find our groove. It's, you know, it's AM being there, summer teeth. AM is like leftover from uncle Tupelo being there is, I, I think stronger by far. It's a really, really cool album, but uh, a mellower Wilco um, summer teeth. They get into some of this experimentation, but maybe in, in some of the wrong way, like maybe too produced, this one finds its groove and it starts off with this song. Um, it, it really kicks it off. And, and this, this may be my favorite little run of lyrics anywhere in a, in a Jeff Tweedy song, which is let's forget about the tongue tied lightning. Let's undress just yeah. like cross-eyed strangers. This is not a joke. So please stop smiling. What was I thinking when I said it didn't hurt? I love it. It's just this poetry and uh, you know, he, it, it, does it mean anything? I don't know. Uh, but it's got this real poetic feel that if you don't try and overanalyze it, it just feels right when you're listening to it's, it. It's great. And this is the title of the documentary about the saga of being let go from uh, their record deal um, at, at the time as well. This one is the, yeah. the one that titled and, it. Uh, if anyone wants a really good music documentary, I think that this is – this was at, like towards the, the back end, I think, of the labels really being able to dictate – what bands could and could not put out. Um, and the, and the fact that they, they were able to get kicked off of their label for Yankee hotel Foxtrot, which the label was like, this sucks. Go back. We don't, we don't hear, hear a single, single you know? which, which is kind of funny. Cause I'm like, are there really that many singles off of being there? No, not really. Um, summer teeth. Yeah. There's a few, um, but, uh, you know, the, so they get kicked off the label and didn't they get re-signed to a, um, an offshoot of that particular label? Yes, that's exactly what happened. They, it was, there were two Warner labels. One of them, I don't remember which one it is exactly. One of them, Reprise, uh, Reprise I think, is the one that kicked them off. Yeah. And then Wilco said, fine, all we want, give us our masters. Yeah. And they're like, great, take them. We don't care. And then they took their masters to, I, I'm trying to remember what the label they went to was. I'm, I'm terrible with that stuff. But they took it to another Warner label and sold it to them, which is just brilliant to me. I, I absolutely love it. Um, but there's a lot of turmoil during making that album. That's also, this is also the one where um, they uh, ended up kicked, booting Jay yeah, Bennett after. Um, and it's it's also the one where Glenn comes on uh, in percussion. They They had recorded a lot of the, they had recorded a lot of the the drums already and weren't happy with them. And uh, Jeff had played um, played drums with uh, with Glenn, and ultimately they brought him into the band. Was like, yeah, yeah, this guy, he's just amazing. He's really, really a great. Was drummer. that the stuff that he did with like the minus five? No, no, that was um, it. Was the producer of uh, that ended up producing it? He what was the name of the band that they did together? Um, I don't Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. They had they had another little side band um, that Jeff did. Um, he did a you know collaboration, yeah, um, and ended up playing with him and the guy who ended up uh, uh, producing um, 
uh, Yankee Hotel. That's right. Um, right. And, you know, that's that's kind of loose fur. Loose fur. That's it. Yep. Yep. And uh, which I think if you say it fast, looks like Lucifer. Oh, look at that. Ooh. I just picked that up. I didn't see that before. Like I just. That's more Tweety playing on words, I think. Yeah, probably. It fits. And that's the other thing. When people talk about people, uh, when they talk about the lineup shifts, it's like, Really? Can you argue that Glenn shouldn't be the drummer? Isn't he absolutely incredible? Way better. They're drumming. They're drumming. uh, The percussion became so much more inventive and interesting, you know, than it was on those first three albums by far. Save that conversation for coming up. You know, you know, which one I'm talking about. Right. All right. right, um, All right. So next song. So this is number three. 10 on our list um this is Ooh, you almost pulled a netta you weren't sure where you were at no i I'm, I'm, <laughs> i keep bouncing around I'm, okay I'm, all right yeah all right so so number 10 this is handshake drugs So you gave this a one. I gave it a 14, which is why it's so high. So average score, seven, seven and a half. Um, and I could have given it a, a higher score, too. It's just a gr- great song. Yeah. So this is this is also off of Ghost is Born. Did did you already say that this is your favorite Wilco album? I don't know if I did or not. Well, Ghost is Born is the album I fell in love with. It was the second album I discovered. It's the one that I saw on Kicking Television. I, I fell in love with this album. I was like, oh, I get it now. And then I saw him live, and it, it just solidified it this is this is what got me to become the wilco fan so you and i both wrote for cdreviews.com back in the day right and don't don't look it up it's not there anymore i know it's not i i I, I looked uh i don't know a year or two ago just to just to see if it was still around um i mean yeah uh so i reviewed this for for the website and fell in love with this this album so um and the live version of of this is just really fantastic i mean yeah you know go back to our conversations about nails just going off on the guitar and this is another one where i really love the play on words um you know there's 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 some good imagery going on on this of course with the taxi cabs driving him around for the handshake drugs that he bought downtown um, but I, I really love towards the end of it where it's, it's okay for you to say what you want from me. I believe that's the only way for me to be exactly. What do you want me to be? So what do you think handshake drugs are? Uh, I don't, I would assume that it's a, you know, little, little dime bag. I, I, I think it's deeper than that. Like I think handshake drugs and the innocuousness of it, um, it, Tweedy at one point had, he did have a drug addiction, but it was to prescription pain pills. He had bad migraines. And so the idea to me of handshake drugs is like, those are the kinds that you can pick up 
with a prescription. Like you, you go in and it's, it's easy. It's like, I don't have to hide it. I'm out in the open. Um, and that, this was the time period when he was struggling with that and, and probably had multiple prescriptions and yeah. could pick things up and, and didn't, didn't have to hide it. These are prescriptions. I, that, that's kind of what I wonder, but I, I don't that's know true. for sure. I mean, you could be driving downtown going to see multiple, uh, psychiatrists who, uh, who can pres- pre- prescribe you, um, you know, some additional drugs on top of they're they're white collar narcotics, but you know here they are, and they're just as destructive yeah. for him. And you know he ended up going to rehab for for yeah. pain pill addiction. Um, th- this album gets a lot of there's there's a lot of like distortion fuzz out on the end of of this one. Um, and this album gets a lot of comparisons to one of my other favorites uh, in Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Um, and and Neil was a well known influence of Tweedy, and it definitely shows on this album. I think I think there's a lot of kind of longer jams and and breakdowns and and that that I, I think kind of sticks out. Good. So all right, so. Uh... The next one you can you can talk about this after I introduce it. So number nine is one Sunday morning. So this barely missed my list, but you gave it a sixteen. So let's uh, let's give a listen. Bring them cold for my father. I wouldn't bother He belongs to me now And go back to my original conversation about really having a hard time trying to find, you know, clips for this episode <laughs> good luck i mean th- this is a long a song i mean it's tw- 12 minutes long so this song isn't for you scott cookson this is not this is not this is not a song for you go find a different song right that's what i'll say if you're into two and a half to three minute bite-sized chunks then this song isn't for you and I, i'm gonna have a tough time selling people on this song it's it's called uh one sunday morning song for gene smiley's boyfriend it's 12 minutes long and it is here. This is a song that when it comes on, I'm listening to an album or it comes on my, my uh, Spotify list. Um, if I'm distracted, I always start it over and listen from the front and listen to it. It's one of those songs that I stop and I listen to. And there are not many songs like that for me. I, I find this song is devastatingly beautiful and it's, it's just haunting. Um, Honestly, there are a lot of days where this would actually be my number one favorite Wilco wow. song. I mean, it's just it, it it moves me in ways that others don't, and it's it's layered instruments that kind of power on for that twelve minutes. And there's so many subtle changes and variations, and you might be like, oh, I think I'm hearing the same chord progression, and then it's mixing other things in. And, and Jorgensen's piano is gorgeous, and Strat has like these super subtle shifts in in the bass lines, especially near the end of the song. Once the narrator kind of finishes up, that it just drives it towards towards this conclusion after like a false ending you're you know you're like 10 minutes into the song you're like oh it's wrapping up and it's like don't it's coming back again um i if you want short songs this isn't for you but this song rewards patience and attentiveness in a way that that i just don't get out of most songs whenever i invest my time in the song i i just i get this feeling of like i i get um like tranquil reflection uh 
I feel rejuvenated. I feel like I feel more energetic after listening to it. Um, and again, I know it sounds, it sounds new agey and nonsensy and I, I totally get it and I'll own it. But um, I think this song to me has become as effective as like meditation. I've tried okay. meditation a little bit and I get some things from it, but I find this well, song here's, to be meditative. Here's where I'm going to go all Pete Holmes on you again. Um, so I, f- I feel like maybe this song gets more of a, uh, a higher score for you because of the lyrics. I mean, there's definitely some aspects of like a faith crisis going on here. And for sure, for sure. You know, we, we have I feel that for sure. You know, talked about, you know, the, the metaphysical and the, the higher power in the universe and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it, it definitely, the, the lyrics that, that really moved me is something sad keeps moving. So I wandered around. I fell in love with the burden holding me down. And, but you have to get get there too. You have to get there, and and the whole thing is that it was inspired by a conversation that Tweedy had with um, yeah. Jane Smiley's an author, and he, w- he had a conversation with her boyfriend about his just super strict, highly religious father, and then it kind of grew out of that. And it, it's just this great back and forth, more than just the faith crisis. It's I am more interested in the butting of heads between this father and a son that has these moments of stubbornness and anger, but then also it has regret and remorse. Um, And to me, this song is like a more drawn out in depth, like explanation of Neil Young's old man in a way. Uh, it, It just conjures that same conflict of understanding from someone else's perspective and uh, right off the bat, it tells you, it's like, this is how I tell it. Oh, but it's long. Right, right. One Sunday morning, one son is gone. And um, and then at the end, this son is reflecting on, his, on the fact that his father has died. And he goes, bless my mind, I miss being told how to live. What I learned without knowing, how much more I owe than I can give. And so it's this reflective quality of like, I'm not sure... I took the time to understand what it was he was trying to tell me all the time. Even though I was frustrated that he was trying to shove, you know, his philosophy and his religion down my throat, maybe I missed some things as well. Um, and I missed some of that. I kind of miss, I miss being told how to live. I miss those lectures. And, and, and to be honest with you, I think one of the things that really moves me about the song is it reminds me in a lot of ways of my relationship with my grandpa. It wasn't as controversial or as confrontational as this because I never would dare to be confrontational with him, but he was my, my closest family member, but he also would lecture a lot. And I remember those times where it would drone on and you kind of zone out. And now, man, what I miss, I miss him telling me how I should be doing some things. I miss it so much. And I, I relate to that from this. And, um, I got to see this one in that London show and I'm telling you, man, it it was absolutely beautiful. It's not a song you're going to see in concert very often, but I'm so, so glad I got the chance to see it. Um, yeah, I was able to see it this live once. So that was, that was good. Yeah. Oh, you did see it. Yeah. Um, I did. Yeah. On that tour. And here's the thing like this, I, I, if I'm going to compare this song and I, and I was trying to find a way I get, people are not that into 12 minute songs. I love them. I love Epic Neil Young, uh, down by the river, you know, all that oh, yeah. sort of stuff. I love it. Give me an 18 minute jam, uh, of him in concert. And I'm, I'm just, I am mesmerized, but I would, I would equate this song to, this is a novel. And if you'd prefer cliff notes, that, that's fair enough, but I think you're missing out on the detail. I don't want the two and a half to three minute version of this song. I want the experience. I want to read it front to back. I want to, I want to listen to it sometimes while I read lyrics. Sometimes I want to listen to it while I just think and reflect. And, and like I said, it'll come on and I won't notice that I've been ignoring it and I'll start it over. 
and people are going to hate it. Your pot, your, your listeners are going to be like, what? Right. There's no, there's no way that Scott Cookson or Wayne probably enjoys this song. So, well, I'll, I don't even know Scott Cookson. I don't know why I'm taking these knocks at him. <laughs> it's okay. He's going to look at how long this particular episode. He won't, he won't listen to it anyway. He won't listen to it anyway. He's like, this isn't a 45 and who's Wilco? Right. Exactly. Um, I, I have tried to play um, some Wilco stuff for him and he was not at all impressed. So, um, <laughs> well, I'm not impressed with you, Scott Cookson. <laughs> all right. So, uh, number eight, this is, uh, this is passenger side. Hey, wake up. Your eyes weren't open wide. the previous song so uh i gave this a high score i gave this a 17 this wasn't on your list i inexplicably it's a great song and i've gone back to am a lot over the last few years i don't know why maybe it's just you know the it's very americana it's very uncle tupelo and you know if you listen to my my you know 2018 list there's a lot of Americana, Southern rock type of sensibilities. That's just been kind of my jam the last couple of years. Um, I do credit my love for Southern music sensibilities as to why I think I've leaned towards AM the last couple of years. And it's just a great song. I mean, lyrically, it's top notch. Um, just It's about a dude with a DUI who's really, really selfish and letting someone else drive around trying to explain to them why they're so lucky to be doing it or or why he should be bossing around. So, um, I drove, I drove a friend around who had a DUI, uh, we worked together and and I gave him a ride to work and I gave him a ride to his meetings and all that stuff. And had he ever pulled some of the stuff on me that, that the narrator pulls in this song, I would have been like, you can find a different ride. (laughs) I love it. I love the first down. Just the first stanza where it's like, Hey, wake up. Your eyes aren't, weren't open wide for the last couple of miles. You've been swerving from side to side. You're going to make me spill my beer if you don't learn how to steer. I mean, (laughs) he's he's riding shotgun and he's drinking. He's like open containered. You know, I don't know if that was a law everywhere all the time, but that's the image I get, too. It's like, why why are you Um, now you're going to get him a ticket is what you're going to do. I I love it. It's just a it's a it's a fun song about like uh, a serious consequence. I think it's okay. I've got a court date coming this June. I'll be driving soon. Right. Uh, you know, uh, now can you take me to the, to the, um, uh, grocery store right, in the bank? Right. It's, it's just great. I, this is one of those songs that it's very simplistic in, in terms. And every time that they've, cause this is one that they've kind of resurrected again. They've been playing this more and more live. Um, oh, it's, it's a great live it's, song too. It's, it's fun. Very fun song. I love it. So, 
All right. Uh, next is um, this is also an average score of 8.5. So this tied with passenger side. Uh, this is please be patient with me. Oh, there's nothing I can do to make this easier for you. You're gonna need to be. This is another one where you gave it a 17 and it didn't make my list. And uh, this is not one of those songs that I'm like, oh, it barely missed my list. No, it it didn't. It didn't make the list at all. For but me. you know who agreed with me on this song? I know. Who? Uh, Don did. Yeah. Yeah. He and I agreed on this song. I think we had it exactly the same. I'd be curious to hear his story about it. Cause, um, so this is sky blue sky. And, um, this is a really, really personal song to me. This whole album was, this one came out while my wife and I were, we were separated in 2007. You know, we've been married for 13 years. Um, you know, we went through some stuff and we were separated for about four or five months. And, um, interestingly, this album was mixed by Jim Scott. That's at his studio. That's a couple of miles from where our house was at the time in Santa Clarita here. And, um, but when, when my wife and I would get together to try to work things out and to talk, sometimes we just, we just listen to this album. It had just come out and we loved Wilco and we just listen and we just sit sometimes when we didn't know what else to say. So these songs really became indelible to me from that. And then this song in particular just speaks to me a lot. Uh, I, I relate to the kind of apologetic requests of someone who's struggling with depression or mental issues of some flavor here, you know, for him, it's, I don't know if it's, if it's during his pill addiction or what, but it, it, it it's, it's this earnest longing. And yet it's like this super selfish request, but there's some, sometimes there's not anything else you can do when you're in this funk and, and the, the, you know, the line, like it, it doesn't mean that I don't care. It means I'm partially there. You're going to need to be patient with me. Like I'm not, Sometimes it's not about, I don't love you anymore. I'm not doing these things. I, I'm just hanging on by a thread. And, and, you know, as someone who's dealt with some depression and anxiety at different points in life, like I get it, I've been there. And sometimes you just selfishly have to go, I need you to be patient with me because I'm, I'm trying to climb out of it. And if you're lucky enough to have somebody sort of amazing and patient in your life, and it sounds like he uh, is because they, they're still together. And I certainly was, you're grateful for that partner who can go. I know that that's a really selfish request, but that's how much I love you. I'm going to be around and I'm going to get you through this and I'm going to wait until you get your crap together, you know? And, uh, th that's, that's that song for me. So I think I'm just going to wrap this, that whole thing up with how great are, are our wives? Yeah, yeah, amazing. For, amazing. For, for, for both of us. I mean, they are Oh yeah. They're extremely patient with our stupidity and our wanting to, you know, be who we are and, you know, be our creative selves and there's no reason that mine should still be here. <laughs> There's just no reason. You know me. I'm a pain. I'm such a I'm such a pain. Um and I'm you know, I'm I do a lot of different things and I throw myself into a lot of things and she's so supportive and, and uh, I couldn't have done the things that I've done without sort of that someone that sort of has faith in you 
by your side to do it because uh, it wouldn't work. Christy's a saint. Oh yeah, yeah, and so is Mary. <laughs> I know you. You're not easy to live with. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't either. Um, <laughs> but that's that's what that is for me. That song. It's really that whole album was really really special to me at the time, and and then. I kind of ruined it because I listened to it during my naps. And so now when I turn it on, it makes me sleepy because it's a really relaxing album to me. And uh, so I, it's one of those ones that I kind of, I think, ruined it by overplaying it, especially when I, I wanted to relax and mellow out and have nap time. So I, it it doesn't sit as high on my list as it used to, but it is still a really special song so or album. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Now we got all touchy-feely. Now we're on a very special you, episode. You, you of- just made it weird. Did I? I made it. I made it weird. Keep it crispy. Um, all right. So the the next one uh, also is high on our list because you gave this a nineteen. Did my second favorite it song? Didn't make my list. Um, it was on that pace list, by the way, just to kind of validate. And it was also played in kicking television. So I think Wilco also agrees with me. It's not just a. Anyway, go ahead, introduce it. This is Hummingbird. And I know that you have a very personal story on this one as well. So I'm, I'm going to turn the episode over to you again. I do, but that's not why I love this is the first Wilco song that I fell in love with. Like I said, Ghost is Born was the f- I, I, I got Yankee Hotel Foxtrot after a couple of listens. And since then, I have grown really, really fond of it and, and love the, the songs on that album. But Ghost is Born that was the second album I got. And then I saw it live and, and hummingbird was the first song that I was just like, Oh, this is so amazing. The arrangement, uh, you know, it's just got this really simple plunking a piano that's juxtaposed with like a lush sort of soundscape of, of, um, strings. I love the imagery that the song evokes the idea of this guy kind of trying to escape the pain of a lost love while pleading with her to remember him and using the image of a hummingbird, you know, that's like fast and fleeting, but it hangs there long enough so you can see it. So it's not like a memory that disappears. Also, I freaking love hummingbirds. So I was, I was completely a sucker for this one. I'm the target. I love hummingbirds. I love photographing hummingbirds. I have, I have like nine hummingbird feeders in my backyard. So, so I was already in there now. Okay. So I loved this song, right? Fast forward to the fact that I think the fact that I love this song meant I played it a ton, a ton. And it became my daughter's favorite song. My daughter was seven at the time. And, um, I didn't even really realize that Wilco was her favorite band. We took her to, that was her first show. It was a Wilco show. We all five went, my whole family loves Wilco. So I'm doing something right. I've converted you. I've converted two boys, my wife, uh, my daughter, but my, my daughter, I'm, I she, I'm riding solo here. Yeah, dude. I'm uh, riding solo. I have not been able to convince a single person. 
person here. My family, we love going to Wilco shows together. In fact, uh, when I took I took my wife a few years ago on her birthday to the Greek and my kids were annoyed. <laughs> they were annoyed that they didn't get to go. Um, and then they came They came back uh, on the Schmilko tour, and they did three nights in a row at the Ace Hotel. And so I went all three nights, one night with my boys, one night with my wife, and one night with my daughter. On her, It was on her 10th birthday, and she could not have been more excited. So, so here's the hummingbird story. So at 7, so we'd gone to the show. And then we were going to see Jeff Twee solo uh, in Santa Barbara in, in December of 2013. So out of the blue, she comes to me with this letter that she's written. Um, and she goes, hey, uh, I wrote this for Jeff Tweedy. Can you can you please give it to him? And I was like, I was like baby, I, I don't know Jeff Tweedy. She's like, well, you'll figure it out. And she walks away. And that's just, my seven-year-old daughter is like looking at me like, you just get stuff done. Like we have a house. We have things. You just figure it out. She goes, you'll figure it out. And she walks away and she hands me this letter and it says, Dear, dear Jeff Tweedy, and it's misspelled like crazy. My name is Haley. I am seven years old. My first Wilco concert that I went to was at the Hollywood Bowl. My favorite song in the whole world is Hummingbird. Please play Hummingbird for me. We will come see you on December 13th in Santa Barbara. Merry Christmas, Haley. And I didn't even have the I didn't even have the heart to tell her that Jeff had converted to Judaism uh, to join his wife in Judaism. Like I was like, the Merry Christmas thing is a little tacky, to be honest with you, but I'm gonna send it. I'm gonna figure it out. And um, so she hands me this, and I'm just like, uh, this feels like a lot of pressure because I know that they don't play the same songs every night, and I don't know what Jeff is playing solo. So I, I go, I'm like, I'll, I'll try Twitter. I don't know much. Of, I'm new to Twitter. And I, I tweeted at the band and a couple of band members liked it, but no one really responded. And, and then I go to Wilco World and they've got a, um, a chat room area. And so I just made a, a, a thread about it. And I was like, look, I, I have no idea how best to get this to Jeff, but here's her here's her letter and i put a picture of it on there and i'm starting to get all these comments oh that is adorable this is the best and all of a sudden someone named sue chimes in and she's like that is adorable i'll make sure jeff sees it and that's all she said all of a sudden my inbox starts blowing up i get like 15 or 20 uh private messages from other people they go do you know who sue is do you, do you have any idea who that is that's jeff's wife he's definitely gonna play it <laughs> so we go to the concert and um you know, my poor little girl, it's a late night show and she's struggling to stay awake and she's trying so hard. And so I keep waking her up in between songs. Um, she's loving the show, but it's so late for her and, um, and, uh, wake her up and, and Jeff goes, uh, you know, I, is there, is there a Haley out there? Is there a little girl named Haley? This song is for you. And he plays hummingbird with Michael Jorgensen on the piano. And it was, she was so captivated and blown away. The idea that uh that, that had gotten to him and somehow i had helped make it happen and then when we went to see him for her 10th birthday she hands me another letter and i was like baby i'm not doing this twice like i can't <laughs> i got like i've got one of these in me and uh so but they played hummingbird on her 10th birthday too so that that's what that song is to me so it's it would have been very very high on my list regardless but the fact that it's my now 12 year old daughter's favorite song is a wilco song Instead of all the other pop stuff that permeates them in, in elementary school at the time, One Direction was huge. She didn't care. She didn't want any of that. She loves Wilco. Well, I just wish one of my kids would like some of my music. <laughs> I mean, we share a lot of music in yeah, common in our we, house. We don't. I mean, it, my my daughter, who is the you know, she's big choir choir girl. Um, by the way, her, uh, her choir teacher is nominated for a Grammy. 
Yeah. Wow. So he's he's uh, cool. on the short list. I guess they give a Grammy every year to uh, a uh, educator, and so he's he's on the short list for this year. He's a, oh, yeah, he's amazing. Cool. Um, but she's all into choir music and musicals. So I'm I'm lately I've been hearing a lot of Dear Evan Hansen stuff. Yeah, great uh, show. I just I can't do it. The show is so I, good, man. It's just I love weird. it. You, you got to see the show, though. It's the, 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 a lot of times the cast recordings are like without the context to see in the show. Dear Evan Hansen is amazing. Hamilton's amazing. I, I love yeah, going to shows. Well, I don't. Um, so. <laughs> You're grumpy <laughs> uh, old man. Yeah, for for that, uh, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. Anything else yeah. on Hummingbird? No, no, I think I've probably beaten that one to death, but yeah. I, I love that song. Yeah, that was that my was number kind of two. A Don Montgomery moment right there with the, but that's that's all right. It it's is a good no, story. No, it's it a good is. story. It, it, Come it on, a that's a good story. story. It's a great story. All right, so number five. Right. So we're now in the top five. So we're now back to both of us having songs on our respective list. So I gave this a nineteen. You gave this a seven. So average score of 13. This is shot in the air. decide whether or not we were going to use the live version we were going live. to do live version right yep this yeah. this is live this is off of kicking television um yeah. yeah it's uh i don't i don't even know what to to really say on this song other than it's just a really great flipping song this is a great song and it's it's wonderful live it's it's raucous um when it's live it, it just gets the whole crowd just just moving, and uh, it's fantastic. I, I think live especially, more so than on Summer Teeth. Uh, again, this is one I think on Summer Teeth, I think it just got a little overproduced, which I think kind of became the Jay Bennett effect. Um, and I like Jay, and I liked his solo album, but at the end of the day, I think uh, I think this is the kind of stuff that he did. Uh, th- there was a quote that I read from John Starrott that was the story of summer teeth is Jay bought a Mellotron and he was going to use it no matter what it was lovely, but it was overdone. Once they got going on the overdubs, they didn't stop and nobody in the band stepped up to stop the madness. It reminds me of heart of darkness where you knowingly extend the creative process for the purpose of exploration or redemption or whatever it is you're looking for, which is a great quote. Right. That's, that's a fantastic quote. And again, I think this one is a little too, it feels too easy, um, you know, something in my blood, in my veins, bloodier than blood, to make it seem as though it's about addiction. But the reality is, I really think it's about the ups and downs of a relationship. That's what I think. I, I think that um, 
you know, sometimes what you need is to, to get through these things, you need a shot in the arm, which is, it's not necessarily a shot in the arm. That's a metaphor too, for just a boost. I need, you know, we need something, yep. you know, we need something to kind of kick us in gear again. And, um, relationships are hard. Marriage is hard. You know, you, you yeah. both change and then you have to be willing to kind of readapt to each other. And I think I know that Jeff and, and his wife went through some stuff at one point as well, along with his addiction. And, and, uh, if you if you have a long marriage, it's because you figured out to adapt how to adapt to each other a few times, and I th- I think that that's what this is about. If I were going to guess, yeah, I I would agree with that assessment. I think that if you just view this as a a song about addiction, it's just too easy. Too easy. I mean, and and we just did an episode on Alice in Chains where every single song they should be a, considered to be about addiction. That's, that's all. Exactly. It's easy, but it's right on the money. I think, and I love me some Alice in Chains. But that that EP is all about addiction. This one, yeah. I your assessment, I think, is spot on. Where it's just like, look, I I just it's 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 better to sing about a shot in the arm instead of talking about getting a kick in the ass right so so you know i guess you that would make the song a little more fun all i need is a kick in the butt yeah it's, <laughs> right. uh, you know um but that's uh i uh, yeah to to your point i mean relationships on all levels not just on you know the the husband wife dynamic you know it's the you know, dealing with your kids and, you know, you and I both have, have 19, almost 20 year olds and, and, um, definitely with my 19 year old right now, he's having a really hard time with trying to be an an adult. And And, yeah, any, any long-term relationship that you have with another person, you're going to watch that person have to explore who they are at different points and to find themselves and, and uh, reevaluate what they're doing and make changes and, and how your relationship is moving forward sometimes has to do with how you allow them to make those changes and how you adapt um, and accept them in those, those uh, processes as well. I think even friendships, I think friendships, there aren't, there aren't that many people that I'm friends with that I've been friends with as long as you and I have been friends. So, you know, a lot of relationships like that, friendships, they, they kind of run their course because it's too much work sometimes to make them uh, to stay connected that way. You know, you and I have had some fundamental changes uh, in who we are. I've I've obviously, you know, you talked mentioned the faith crisis a little bit. Uh, I'm pretty fundamentally different than I was, you know, religiously. You know, when we first met, we yeah. met through church, yeah. but our our friendship is now what is it? Goodness, how many years have we been friends um, you now? Know, I, for I was just, close to four, close to thirty, thirty years. Would, it would be thirty years because I think so. I coached you in church basketball. And that would have been eighty nine. Yeah. So yeah, it's been been thirty years. Yeah, we're we're at thirty years of friendship, and and I don't have many friends that I still have from thirty years ago. No, because I don't either. Most of them are just it's just too hard. It's too hard to keep up. It's too hard to stay connected. And then you have those couple of really special friendships, relationships, and with family members, you have an extra motivation to do it. Obviously, and marriages and things like that. But. Uh, you know, you have to allow the dynamics of people being who they are and, and uh, you have to care enough to let that, those changes happen and let them get their shot in the arm. Yeah. And, and then there are some that you'll go back and, and, yeah. and uh, rekindle. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, I, I had a really nice compliment from somebody that's been listening to the podcast and, and he's like, man, you, you and Wayne are like the best of friends. And, you know, you guys have all these really great inside jokes. And he's like, I'm sure you guys have kept in touch over the years. And I'm like, no, I mean, there was, there was a span of about 10 years that he and I, we didn't, we didn't talk to one another. I mean, he was at a different stage in his life of, he had teenagers at the time. And I was, you know, trying to, to, to figure out how to be a dad. Um, you know, you can give him crap, uh, uh, you know, cause that's, he's, he's grandpa. He's been grandpa for a long time. Uh, right. It's funny when I hear him talk about grandkids uh, and I'm like, oh, well, I mean, we're getting to where we could, right. but you know, you, you and I, in spite of the age difference, we, we actually, our family evolutions are pretty, pretty, pretty closely, close, yeah. pretty, pretty close in, in, in ages and, and how long we've been married and all that sort of stuff. So we, we've gone through that process a little more at the same, and that maybe that is part of why we were able to hang together better because we were going through the same things at the same time to some extent, maybe, I don't yeah, know. But you know, or we just, we just love each other. Or, we just like brothers. That. I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know. There, I think that there are some people that you, you have those connections with and um, you know, case in point, I, I, I was just in Dallas a couple weeks ago and um, hung out with, with Ginger and her family for, for the night. And it was like, we were still in college. Um, you know, yep. it, it, you know, we're, well, that's my other buddy from, from that long ago is Jeff yeah. Hoekstrasser. He's, uh, you know, we've been friends since we were 14 and, uh, you know, I'm coming up on 45. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's almost 31 years this year that we've been friends. And, and again, we can talk and, but it's really, it's the two of you is pretty much the, you know, the people that I'm still tight with, uh, from all that time ago. Cause I don't, you know, I don't have the bandwidth to, in some ways to, to keep those, those going all the time. So we, we've definitely digressed, which I knew was going to happen. <laughs> it's hard not to times. Um, all right. So, uh, number four, this is, uh, Jesus, etc. Jesus don't cry. You can rely on me, honey. You can come back. this a 15 you gave this a 13 uh if we would have taken dawn's uh dawn's scoring into into play this would have been the number one song because he this is his favorite song so that i think that's how how i really protested and not that it's not a great song we both had it very high but i'm like this isn't number one it's just not number one um it, it just you can't throw that wrench in there and make this number one in spite of our number one but it's a it's a great song off of yankee, yankee hotel um, I, it's, it's a really, I love the peacefulness, um, that I feel after listening to this song, uh, it kind of mellows me out the arrangements of the strings and the, like this just thumping bass line that just sort of blends together to kind of lull you in. And, and, uh, it, it's just got just these beautiful yeah. lyrics too. And no, the song um, is not about Jesus. In fact, 
No. The Again, relationship. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's very it's, relationship. No, it, the 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 first line is Jesus, and that's more of an exasperation. Jesus, yeah, don't yeah, cry. Right. You know, it's it's not addressed to a, a Jesus or <laughs> right. You know, no, it's any, not. It's uh... any of any of Donald Trump's uh, friends. You know, south of the border, um, Jesus. <laughs> um, so, but but this is. I think this gets high. Um, regards for me because again going back to the whole harmony stuff Tweety and and Starat are on top of their game on this particular one together I think oh yeah very much blend just beautifully on this um and this is a song that it it connects with the crowd I mean they're I know you've probably been at a few of the shows where they start singing it and they just let the crowd do the, oh yeah the, the second verse and we it's the kind know, of song that if you're at a less lyrics yeah there's a, it's a kind of song that if you're at a, a a lesser band this is the one that people would sit down for because it is mellow but it keeps everybody up and they're so excited for it to come and it's just that uh, it's great it's really really wonderful that just the imagery that he's kind of comparing to love tall buildings shake voices escape singing sad sad songs Tune to chords, to chords strung down your cheeks, bitter melodies, turning your orbits around. It's just really, and again, I'm not doing it any justice when you listen to it. It's so good, though. Yeah. Um, it's just a beautiful song. Yep. Your voice is smoking, and last cigarettes are all you can get. Yeah. Turning your orbit around. That's great, great lyrics. Um, yep. All right. Very poetic. Very nice poet. He's a poet. Jeff is a, is a poet, and he has some, a book of poetry as well. He's really, really got these evokes these images yeah all right uh our number three song so you you gave this a 15 i gave it a 16 average score of 15 and a half this is via chicago love is sink they make me think crumbling ladder tears don't fall they shine down your shoulders Crawling is screw faster lash, I blow it with kisses. I rest my head on a pillowy star and a cracked door. Says I can't use the summer teeth version we can't I guess i guess we could i mean i i think i thought we bounced back and forth yeah the, the best version to me is the kicking television version it's it's this again is a a song that is so much better live and it really just brings it to life this is a song that a lot, a lot of days a lot of times when i was making this list this was my number one and then i would scoot it just slightly back yeah it, it's a great song um, my favorite live experience with this was um, I saw this at a uh, uh, a nice venue called Ruth Eckerd Hall in uh, Clearwater, and all the the uh, the the ushers are all these volunteers. You know, it's one of those type of of uh, you know nicer halls where you know the the old people, the retired folks of Clearwater. You know they'll come out and support the the arts and um, I just remember during 
the 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 first of the the Glenn going off on the drums. Oh. All of these ushers like came inside the the hall to to find out what is this racket. It, it's wonderful. It's wonderful, and it's it it's not on Summer Teeth. It doesn't come through on Summer Teeth, no. but it doesn't truly come through on on kicking television either in the way that it is when you're actually at the show glenn at one point it's this like really mellow and haunting and then he just loses his mind with all of the these fills and noises and banging and clanging but in this way that stays musical and it is a great moment in a wilco show it's just and i've seen this multiple times live i have to say the Seeing that live at the Ryman was probably the best Glenn going off on the drums. It's a, it's a great, it was a, it's a great venue. The acoustics are so cool in there. And he really seemed to revel in that, uh, in a, in a really large way. And, and I do, I prefer the live arrangement. I think again, the, this is one where it's a little overproduced on summer teeth. And I think that gets in, in the way a little bit. You know, you get Jeff's voice. Um, this song should feel haunting, and some of the effects they put on it makes it more creepy. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it, you know, and it's 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 about a dream. I dreamed about killing you again last night, and it felt all right to me. And he's and then he's describing the dream, and it's like he's calling his wife from the road, and he's telling her like I had this weird dream about killing you, and it felt all right, which I don't know how to feel about. Which is, you know, sounds dark, but he's talking about a dream, you know. Yeah. Um. And so uh, the summer teeth, the weird over uh, overproduced feel, makes it sound too creepy sometimes to me. Whereas I think it should just have you this. Know what the best quality. part of this song is for me. Every time what? I fly through Chicago, I'm mm-hmm. and you, you, only a few, only a few of my friends, you and and one of my friends, Todd, yep. are the only ones who seem to catch on to it. Every, I do it every too. Time post I it. Post it. I'm like, I'm coming home. I'm coming home via Chicago and. I I have friends in Chicago. It's all I think about this song every time I yeah. talked about Chicago. It's their home, and that's I saw them in Chicago. Um, I saw this song played at the Vic as part of the Kicking yeah. Television song, uh, and it's it's just a great right. great tune. All right, uh, number two. So this is an average score of eighteen. We both had this on our list as our third favorite song. So this is California Stars. a long jeff johnson diatribe on, on this. not that long okay. not that long uh, this one uh we again we both had a number a number three which is cool and then our twos See, didn't match up so it moves it up having you and my brother on some of these episodes make me feel like maybe i'm not as long-winded as wayne makes me oh no i i'm definitely i can be long-winded and i'm gonna be more long-winded about a band like wilco or maybe a neil young um you know again i i i, I hope that kind of comes across too is just that's how 
Th- th- that's what this band means to me. They, th- yeah. It's meaningful. Um, and that's California stars. Uh, it's, this is one that's, it's not actually their song. It's a, I mean, it is, it, it was made with Billy Bragg. Um, this was at the request of uh, Woody Guthrie's daughter um, that she wanted someone to get together and she, she wanted Billy Bragg to, to record some unrecorded Woody Guthrie lyrics. And so they got together and they did uh, what became these mermaid Avenue sessions. And um, this is, this is the most enduring thing off of those three albums. It, this song, they have really taken it and owned it. Um They've made it their own, even though the lyrics were Guthrie's. Uh, and I've I've happened to have had the opportunity to see this one live in outdoor venues in California, under California stars, um, five different times at these really, really great outdoor venues. And when, when they play it, as soon as they start it, you can just feel the audience uh, just, oh, here it comes. We're Here we are outside underneath the California stars. And it's a beautiful song. It's just this beautiful kind of folk song this hopefulness you can kind of uh, imagine like dust dust bowl uh, you know okies coming to california or something in the the woody guthrie era and i, I it's just great I there love are it. some really good songs off of that album i really love i really oh, love yeah. way over yonder in the minor key that's great they've been yep. doing um wilco's been doing hoodoo voodoo um live they do it quite a bit doing that a, a lot live uh recently so and, and I, I love those two. I love those albums. Those albums are really cool. This is the one that I think it became that they they co opted this song, and it, it it feels more like a Wilco album than yeah. it does off of those. Such a good you know? song. Such a good song. Yeah. All right. Uh, we are now up to our number one, and um, so we both selected this as our Scott Scott Cookson is both like is just like thank goodness this thing has prattled on for so I mean, long. We're, we're, Sorry. Go ahead. This. This could this could rifle uh, the dad songs episode. This is uh, this is right. Yeah, up there, well, we we love we, them. We love Wilco. Just like I love my dad, so that's why you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So yeah. this... I love Wilco more than I love your dad, but but barely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Don. Actually, I don't know. Yeah. That was. Can you edit that out? That just sounds off. It makes it sound bad. It makes it sound mean. It sounded meaner than I intended. I'm not a mean spirit. He's I'm a comedian, never man. Listen to this episode. I'm, I mean, that's true. Well, He'll fall asleep I mean, 20 minutes into it, right? Listen to 45 minutes of the episode that we did for him. Um, so you know, right, let right. alone doing a, you know, listening to an an album or uh, listening to an episode of of a band that he doesn't even know exists. So, um, maybe if we tell him, oh yeah, this is Donald Trump's favorite favorite band maybe then he would listen to it oh no no i don't okay we don't want to have this let's not yeah we shouldn't do this this is let's don't do this you're gonna make me definitely like wilco more well, uh, well it's gonna become too much i just become i just became misunderstood uh, all right so uh, misunderstood. all right uh, we still haven't played the clip here we go so misunderstood you're so misunderstood. Well, you got a gossip You're out your awful soul. You're so. Yeah. 
that had to appear on this list is the live version right kicking television it's off it's live yeah. uh, it's yeah. unbelievable live so i played this i played this in the car um the other night i took took my boys out for for pizza mom mom was out of town so i didn't feel like cooking um and i was you know getting ready for this episode so i was listening to to wilco songs again and we get to the favorite part that we love so much. You know, Nothing. I, I want to thank. Yes. And Dal- Dallin is looking at me going, what is wrong with this song? And I'm like, there's absolutely <laughs> nothing wrong with this song. Like it's skipping or something. Right. I mean, well, yeah. He wouldn't even know what a skip is. I mean, you know, my kids don't even really know what these CD right. things that are in my living room. What What are those things? Those are really weird. Um, can we use them as frisbees? Um, <laughs> you know, and so um, he's like, "How many times is, is he gonna gonna do this?" I was like, "I've been at a show where he's done it twenty four times." I think it's more than that on this album. It's thirty. I think, I think it's thirty. I think it's thirty times on this particular album. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But I think that's that's my. You know, I've got I've got a spreadsheet of all the all the shows that I've gone to because I like to keep track of that stuff. Because I should have done I'm, that. I'm, I I wish I had. You still could. I mean, I know, I know. My my memory is fading, so I should do that. Because well, I mean, there's there's trust me, there are plenty of Wilco fans that are on setlist.fm who post yeah. this stuff, and if you you know you'll go out there and you'll see Florida autographs. Yeah, that's that's me. Um, so yeah. I posted a few of those set lists. So you can, you could definitely do that still. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but they, they do keep track of how many nothings that they do as well. I don't know what the record yeah. is. I, 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 I meant to go do some research to see. I don't know either, but I love it. And you just want it to go on forever. Right. I want to thank you all for nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing, and you're just wondering, like, how long? And you and the and you just the, it's this fever pitch, and the, and, and everybody and, is pumping your right, fists, and, the, and, you and just, the crowd just continues to like build off of that energy, and they're like, oh, it grows so exponentially with it. The crowd is is uh, into it. My kids, when this comes on, they know this is going to look a lot like it does when uh, uh, the drum solo on In the Air tonight comes on, right. and I'm going to freak out behind the steering wheel. But they're with me on this one. They're with me. They're like, nothing, nothing. Like, we'll have four or five of us in the car, and it's just nothing. It's great. Um, I, th- this song is, is, again, if you went, if you go to a Wilco show, you need to plan on seeing any number of set lists. But this is the one you're going to be most disappointed if it doesn't show up because it is such a crowd moment. And it's such a big moment. And, uh, and, and you know why this gets number one on my list is the fact that I've seen it live multiple times. I love the live version. I love the studio version just as much. I mean, it, it's it's, it's a little bit different song 
I mean, uh, you know, they're, they have definitely tuned this up for the, you know, the existing lineup. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's a great, it's a great song in its original form. It, it would fall maybe somewhere in the, you know, low 20 something for me, maybe just yeah. from the album. But when, when you make it live, it jumps to number one because of that experience. I mean, I, I've seen this live, I, I think, and I have to recount some like 13 times live. And, uh, are you really up to that? Many I think, times? I think I'm at 13. Wow. I've seen them. I've seen them in, in, uh, you know, three different places away from home. Uh, you know, Nashville, Chicago, London. Um, I I've seen them a lot here. I mean, I went to three shows, like I said, back to back nights on the, right. sh- on the last tour the Schmilko tour. Um, which I have not seen any of those songs live. It's great live. Um, yeah. and I know that that album doesn't immediately jump out as, as a favorite yet, but seeing those songs live, I, I sometimes when a Wilco album comes out now, I don't, I don't care how much I love or don't love the songs. If something sticks out to me, it's great, but I'm like, I can't wait to see it live. Cause I cannot wait to see how they're doing this. And, uh, and it does feel like maybe they just kind of wrote it and like, okay, let's hurry and get it down and let's get on the road. Cause they are great on the road. They're just so good. The jams and the way that they interact and, uh, I'm sure people are listening to this going, oh, you guys are like Grateful Dead or Fish fans or something or Dave Matthews band. It's not the same thing. And no disrespect to any of those bands, but uh, I, I don't, it's not that way. This is a band that when I don't see them for a certain amount of time, I, I, I do feel withdrawals. I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, I definitely have some Wilco live withdrawals going on. Maybe that does make us fish fans for Grateful Dead. I don't know. I maybe I, I just I maybe I just argued against my case or something. I think, but I, uh, yeah, I think we just with us talking about this for now. It is what um, one hour and forty eight minutes in. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I think I think we are. All right, open. I'll take it. I don't care. I, they, I love this band, and I wish other people would give this band. I, I wish you'd give it a shot by listening to start with our list, listen to it, and then go to a show with with some knowledge of those songs. And I think that makes a difference too. You just you just go to their show. You might not listen to it. Give it an honest shot. They are phenomenal musicians, and then go to a show. And, and you know, if you're still not convinced, okay, it's not for you, Scott Cookson. It's not for you, uh, but. Uh, I, I can't tell you, this is the band that I would, I would love to, to talk everybody into loving. Um, it's that band. So agreed. I love this band. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely the band that I have seen most. So I've seen them seven times. You've seen them. How many? I think 13. I I gotta count again. I think it's 13. Um, yeah, I love. I'll go if they have a tour and it's four nights in and around the area. I'll try to go to every single one. Um, you know, it's just uh, because again, they're going to mix the set lists up so much. Yeah. So, and that's and, um, and they're known for that. I mean, I just I just saw yeah. a tweet. Uh, so I'm I'm super excited because Matt Nathanson is coming back. One of the few artists that my wife and I can actually agree on. Um, so I'm actually going to a show with her. And nice. it's not a country country show because um, I go to nice. a lot of country shows with her um, as her plus one. Um, but uh, uh, this one is actually one that we're we're excited about. And he's doing the uh, he's doing the Elvis Costello wheel thing. So, oh, so he, wow. I saw that tour. Yeah. I saw the I saw the Elvis Costello yeah, so he, wheel. He liked the wheel concept. So he's he's pulling all these old. uh you know, old songs that he hasn't yeah. played in forever. And, and he even posted on, on uh, the socials today. He's like, 
Yeah. Um, considering, you know, most of the tours that I go on with, you know, OAR and train, I pretty much stay on, um, you know, I stay on a particular kind of set list. He's like, um, realizing that, you know, the reason why people go see Pearl Jam and Wilco is because they want to see different set lists. So, so here we go. Yep. Here's the wheel. And so it's going to be a different set list every, every night. And Neil Young is the same way. When he did the, the shows with Promise of the Real, he's, he unrolls this giant scroll. And it's got all these songs that you can all see. Every, he's, and he laughs about it. And here's the ones we can do with this instrument and on the organ right. and on the flying organ and all this sort of stuff, which is uh, fantastic. Um, awesome. It's really, really fun. Yeah. And, and to, to that point, you know, Mary mary has given me crap about she's like do you really need to see wilco again i mean come on how many times have you seen that i'm like but i haven't seen it for this album or or yep or or in a while or or since yesterday i i know (laughs) that it's not going to be you know the same set list i mean you know kind of the joke when we do go to these these country shows um so i kind of get crap from some of the other people that we go with um they're like so what's the next song on the list you know because they know that i've looked up the set list and and those country those country shows with with very few exceptions they pretty much stay on point that this is this is their playlist they're going to stick to it well, it was Zach Brown. When I saw Zach Brown, like the set list was pretty spot on where he had yeah. done before. And I loved it. It was great, but yeah. I knew it was coming because I, I can't help but peek at a set list too. No, I want to kind of know what's coming. I know. That, I have to. I know. You, you and I. And with Wilco, you're like, well, oh, I can't, you know, I've got to wait to unwrap the present. Yeah. Pearl Jam, Neil Young. Yep. Um, I, I, I think those are still why those are my favorite bands um, is because I can go see them live and their new experiences. And I'm experiencing something. I believe that with Wilco, I have seen a show that nobody else has seen at some point. You know, I, I think I probably have seen a unique show that, that just, and I know they're all unique because a moment uh, something goes wrong or something stop, they stop a song or whatever. But I, I bet I've seen a set that only took place once. Um, and I think I've seen it with Pearl Jam too, and probably Neil Young, there, where something happens and it just isn't like anything else. And I love unique moments. I love being part of unique moments. That's why I went to that Chris Cornell tribute thing. Um, you, you, you know, it was bringing this back full circle, right? Like, <laughs> am, it's at the I end am. of the episode. I got to get one more dig at you. One more dig. Um, that was a four and a half hour show, by the way. I don't know if we really talked about it much, but it's a four and a half hour show with so many crazy, like what Metallica and. Foo Fighters. Oh my gosh! I've watched a number of the clips of of that, and it just seemed like that would have been just an awesome show. It's just it was an experience. Like you know, no one else is going to experience what I just experienced, and and it was really really cool. And you know, Ryan Ryan Adams comes out, and I'm like, play cuts like a knife. And um, uh, you didn't get that? No, I I did. You're just not you're not humoring it. Okay, no, forget you. No, forget you. No, you 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 know how I love my Ryan Adams. <laughs> I know you love Ryan Adams more than I do. Yes. Um so uh there is that. Um is this the are we at the end? Do I plug myself now? Yeah, you can <laughs> you can definitely plug yourself. So, so, so um, tell us where you're gonna be next, Jeff. Well, um probably when this airs will be towards maybe in the weekend that I'm in Boise, Idaho. Um in luxurious Boise, Idaho. Woo. So I'll be in Boise, Idaho at uh, Liquid Laughs on uh, 
um, February 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. And then um, the other two big dates that I had coming up, um, if you're in uh, Reno, I'm in Reno March 26th through 31st at the Laugh Factory. And then I'm in Vegas um, April 8th through 14th, the Laugh Factory there. So those are the big ones. Um, you can follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Jeff Makes Jokes because I do sometimes. <laughs> and uh, uh, I guess that's all I have to plug, yeah, really. Yeah, that, there, were, there were some fun moments of this. I I loved it. I had a great time. I don't know if your audience will or not, uh, and I I don't think I'd ramble on most bands, but this one definitely. I'm going to pontificate a little bit. I, you know, and again, I spent so much time, you know, for the last couple of months trying to build up an audience, and and we just lit it on fire and we burned it all down. We burned it all down. Who cares? Who needs an audience? Yeah, um, I hope that they just can tell the, uh, you know, the passion we have for it and the fun that we had talking about it. And uh, hopefully that'll be sometimes I listen to stuff where I don't care that much about what they say they're going to talk about, but I've enjoyed listening to them talk about it. So I'm hoping people get that out of it, too. But if not, I'll come back on and be less uh, pontificating. Well, I think we're going to have you on uh, some episodes later in 2019. So I know. I've invited you back for the single soundtrack uh, episode, yep. and uh, we have been talking about one of our other favorite bands, which I'm not going to reveal yet. Um, no, uh, and save it. and uh, save it for later. No, that's not the that's not no, the band. That's not it. That's the, that was a horror. I shouldn't sing on this. Uh, yeah, that was that was not good. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, this has been fun, man. I appreciate uh, it. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, now. Now I feel like I need a one of those Wilco shots in the arm for uh, for my addiction. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I agree. I agree. This actually makes me Jones much harder for a Wilco show. I've been listening to him so much to prepare for this episode that I may have over I may have overdosed yeah, a little bit. Too. All right. Here's the ending. Thanks for listening. Go support the arts. Go to a live show. Buy a T-shirt of the band. Buy a record. Visit a record store, and not just on record store day. We are Records Revisited, and we are out. out. And I'm the man who loves you. Oh.